you've had these these watershed history-making cybersecurity events that have happened only in Ukraine. And it's hard, you know, as a cybersecurity professional, as a threat intelligence person who works with threat intelligence people, you know, you're concerned about the entire globe, but sometimes some places are just lightning rods. In the world of technology, heroes are everywhere. They're overcoming disruption, delivering sustainable outcomes, and fearlessly forging the future to solve what's next. Join me, Ed McNamara, as we meet the people and businesses driving change in our constantly disruptive world. This is Innovation Heroes, a podcast brought to you by SHI. This episode is brought to you by Cisco. Anticipate, act, and simplify with the Cisco Secure Firewall. To learn more, call your SHI account executive or go to shi.com slash Cisco. Welcome back to another episode of Innovation Heroes, the podcast exploring the people and businesses driving change in a constantly disrupted world. I'm your host, Ed McNamara. In the world of cybersecurity, threat intelligence agencies are taking down bad guys on a daily basis. They're protecting the U.S. energy grid, monitoring the dark web, and being on site in the Ukraine. This week's guest, Joe Marshall, has been identifying and protecting all of us from dangerous cyber attacks happening around the world. He is a senior security strategist at Cisco Talus Intelligence Group, one of the largest commercial threat intelligence teams in the world. Joe is part of a diverse team of 500 people, including everyone from linguists to engineers. They collect massive amounts of data every day and turn it into actionable intelligence. Talus has been in Ukraine since 2016, protecting critical infrastructure like power grids, water, gas, airspace, and more. I'm looking forward to hearing his stories, whichever ones he could tell us anyway, and gaining some insights just in time for National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Joe, thanks for being here today. Oh, well, Ed, thank you all for having me, man. So I'm going to poke fun at myself because National Cybersecurity Month, after I say an introduction like that, you've got to kind of smile a little bit and say, oh, that, that that's great when a marketing person uh, <laughs> talks about Cybersecurity Month. I've actually been on site in the Ukraine, and I wanted to really start with that. We, that, that is not just a throwaway mention. You know, how did, how did your team you know, get on the ground there. And um, I'm thinking about our employees who complain about coming to the office and you guys are on site in a, in, in basically a war zone. You know, can you tell us more about Talos's role in the Ukraine these days? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, and it's a complicated answer. Um, so if you, I mean, like, let's go back to hallowed antiquity, right? Let's go back to, I guess, 20, 2016, 2014, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Ukraine as a country has been the the focus of so much political and global upheaval, especially since uh, 2014 when they had elections and a pro-Ukrainian president was brought into power and the pro-Russian president was effectively run out of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, the Russian government wanted a sympathetic government to them. And because the Russian government had both financial and, I guess, logistical interests and having, you know, a warm water port in Crimea. And they were, um, you know, uh, not, not counting sort of the, the sort of the, the, the for lack of a better phrase, you know, fascist ideas that Ukraine is really Russia or something along those lines, which is a whole political and ethnic thing over there. But so um, 
when they realized that they weren't going to have a sympathetic government over there, they basically said, well, I guess we're just going to invade Ukraine. And then that's what they did. And that was like in 2015, right? And that was when Crimea was taken, when the Donetsk, Donbass, Luhansk area of, of Ukraine was occupied. And that precipitated sort of this really crazy event in cybersecurity history. Uh, it just sort of snowballed. So in 2016, we had the first time, uh, well, late 2015, 2016 is when we had the first ever recorded attack on an electric power grid through a cyber attack, through black energy. And then a year later, we would have the same thing happening in uh, another element, another another area of of Ukraine and Kiev when a transmission substation was hit with something called uh, Indestroyer. Uh, and then after that, you had, you know, uh, not that yet. You know, you've had these these watershed history-making cybersecurity events that have happened only in Ukraine. And it's hard, you know, as a cybersecurity professional, as a threat intelligence person who works with threat intelligence people, you know, you're concerned about the entire globe. But sometimes some places are just lightning rods. And, you know, we... As a as a cybersecurity professional who focuses on critical infrastructure and power grids and things like that, you know, when I heard that that had happened, I knew it had never happened anywhere else that we were remotely aware of. And I went, man, I've got to get to Ukraine as fast as possible. The problem is, is that you just, you don't hop on a plane, fly over there and go, right. hey, I'm an American. I'm here to help you now. Like, <laughs> they're going to look at you somewhat askew and they should. So... Um, because I work for Cisco, uh, Talos is the threat intelligence arm of our customers here for, for Cisco. Um, we are frankly a very large company and we've got Salesforce globally. And basically we were incredibly fortunate to tap the Salesforce, Cisco Salesforce team in Ukraine and Kiev specifically and said, Hey, we'd love to meet some of your customers. We really want to talk to them about cybersecurity and one of the neat things about what I do and where I work is uh, with, you know, a small asterisk, a notable exception of our incident response guys and gals. Um, I'm not fee for service. Most of, of the 500 of us, 450 are, we're not billable. We're never going to be billable. Right. Um, so I get to show up with no agenda. I get to go, look, I have a budget. I have runway. Cisco and Talos have empowered me to go stop bad people. You're getting hit by bad people. What can I do to help? Because I'm going to learn and protect my customers, but I get to help you too. Uh, and we have a pretty strong social mission here in Talos. We don't like bullies. Uh, and so, but because of that, we, we, and our, our, just our, our, and that's comes from our leadership. It comes from all the way very top of Cisco to our, our vice president here at Talos, you know, go stop the bad guys. We'll worry about paying for it later. Just, just go stop them. And uh, it's a pretty rad place to work. And it's a really cool mission. And that's how we got there in 2016. We said, let us help you. We're not going to, this is not a sales call. We're just, right. we want to help you. Um, and it took a while to earn their trust. They were very skeptical of just Americans showing up on their doorstep and going, oh, you're here to help. What are you here to really do? And we're like, look, we don't have an agenda. Let us, let us be a part of this. We, we, we're giving you all of our kit for free. Let us just be here with you, present with you, and let us assist you. And it took, it took years to do that, but it has paid untold dividends, both in Talos's mission to, you know, uh, uh, you know, piss off the bad guys, as we say, uh, and and also, you know, keep people safe and uh, stay at the tip of the spear. And that's really what this is. 
and, and there's here's a here's a dirty secret for um for any 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 threat intelligence folks who listen to this and if you're ever wondering you know like like how do you know what to do and where to go when you're in the threat intelligence business if you really want the straight dope you want the straight truth go to the least capable not the most capable go to the guys and gals who are struggling every day to fight off much more advanced adversaries to keep the lights on and to keep their businesses and way of life working. And you'll see innovation. You'll see, you'll see the real deal. Um, and Ukraine in 2016 was like that and they've improved dramatically since then. Um, but, but that's why we were there is because we knew that's where it was. And sometimes it's not looking at a monitor. You got to get on a plane and fly there. And then that's right. what we did. Yeah. Right. That's what we did. And I mean, it just seems, you know, for lack of a better word, a privilege because, you know, we've all, you know, anybody who's been in corporate America has been through the training modules and saying, you know, cybersecurity is everybody's responsibility and it's all about brand reputation and, and any number of these other things. And you guys, you're like, this is a whole next level, like, really, I mean, these are, these are patriots on the front line, which just must have been incredible. Yeah, no, like, like the, what, I've, I've had the privilege to go to Ukraine twice. Uh, to work with power grid companies out there and attend some conferences. And um, you want to talk about being inspired. Like they, they know what they're up against. They are incredibly smart and capable. Uh, they just don't have, you know, United States of America resources right. to combat these things. Um, right. And I know that especially uh, as of late, I've been working a lot with the Ukrainians, especially in the power grid area. Um, they're grateful for all the help that they can get and we're more than happy to have them. I have, you know, I have coworkers, you know, of the, here's a here's sort of a, uh, of the 500 of us who are in Cisco Talos, we're actually probably closer to like 530 now. We've run a lot. Um, a lot of them are Ukrainian. Um, they're, they help manage a lot of our backend engines for like our, our appliances that we sell and our, our detection telemetry and things like that. And we've been, they've been with us since like, since 2015, they've been with us a long time. So we have colleagues and friends who are being shot at and bombed and having to go duck into air raid shelters in the middle of meetings. We've had a few enlist in the army. Right. Um, you know, when I talk to my Ukrainian uh, 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 folks that I'm helping, you know, we have to schedule our meetings in the morning because they don't want to be stuck out anywhere at night if air raids happen, because most, wow. a lot of the air raids that happen in Ukraine are nighttime air raids for these Shihad drones and these cruise missiles that come in, they, they do it under cover of night. Um, and they just don't want to be outside when it happens. Um, recently, I was talking to uh, someone at a, at a power company whom I'm doing a lot of work with for GPS jamming and whatnot. And um, he was working from home, which is unusual for him. And I was like, hey, you're home. He goes, oh, yeah, today's Ukrainian Independence Day. We expect to get bombed. So everyone's working from home. Wow. And I'm like, I just how do you drop that in a casual conversation? And you're like. I complained because traffic was bad on the way to work right. and, you know, I wasn't having to dodge missiles and, and drones and it's wild. It's unbelievably wild. Anything. And I can tell you personally, having talked with them and worked with them so much, anything you see in the news is way, way worse. You're only getting a small sample of it. It's, it's wild. Yeah, and I was going to ask about that. I mean, the reports of major issues with cybersecurity in Eastern Europe, or that, that's kind of nothing new. But now it's places like, you know, medical centers and, and mm -hmm. things like that that are being, you know, hit by attacks. You know, how's the situation evolved and, and how would you describe it currently? Do you mean like from a cyber or from a other? Yeah, I mean, just yeah. I will stick to cyber, yeah. sure. Sure. Uh, so, 
Um, in country uh, over there, it's a little different because uh, cyber tax um, can be expensive. And, and here's the truth about cybersecurity attackers in general. They're, they're never going to be as complicated as they have to be, no more, no less. So uh, there's this very funny comic that a lot of us cybersecurity nerds reference from uh, a, a comic artist named Randall Monroe from XKCD, where the, the first panel is, you know, his password's AES 256-bit encrypted, and it'll take us 30 years to guess it with a computer. And panel two is hit him with a wrinch until he tells us his password, <laughs> right? So, so we're, we're at the hit him with a wrench part, which is if it's dumb and it works, it's not dumb. So right. what we typically see from a cybersecurity perspective over there is very wide swaths, opportunistic targeting of, of all sectors, um, uh, especially critical infrastructure services, power, um, telecommunications, banking, um, heck, a little bit of agriculture. Uh, but also keep in mind, like, these things have to align with the interests, the, the tactical and military interests of the, the Russian occupiers, right? Um, where we see a lot also is a lot of disinformation campaigns are still very active right now, especially in bordering, um, Eastern European countries that are, uh, like, uh, you know, not, not your Belarus's, but think your Estonia's, your Lithuania's, your Moldova's, your Romania's, your things like that, where, you know, the Russians are your friends or they have an ethnic Russian minority that lives there and they're going to, you know, you're the oppressed ones come join your Russian family, things like that. Uh, so it is a, um, uh, uh, that's kind of what we're seeing. So, so from a medical center perspective, actually, mostly what we see is kinetic targeting and we don't really know if it's deliberate or if it's miscalculation or if it's just outright terrorism. Um, like there's no shortage of, of medical centers being targeted in the news and, and it's very sobering to go read and I don't encourage it unless you feel like, you know, it's know what you're getting into if you go look at it, I guess. Right. Um, Yeah. You, you you mentioned the disinformation campaign and I'm kind of like how do you how do you set the scope of where your involvement like begins and ends because I feel like it's it's there's there's so many different you know attacks or things that are that you know you're you have linguists you're doing all kinds of monitoring I'm sure you, you see all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff but you're like I know that that XYZ is messed up but I've got to stay focused on this like how do you how do you decide like I know that that's that that that's not right, but I gotta I gotta keep my head over here. So, and that is that's a great call out. The, the The reality is is that we have no choice but to because at the end of the day, our constituents and our customers at at who you know who, who rely on Talos to protect them, you know, our effective mechanism of change is going to be through the products, right? So, if we see malware, obviously our XDR solution or our suite is going to flag that. You know, that's a mechanism, right? That's an endpoint right. detection. I can immediately say, no, this computer will not be attacked by X or Y. Um, same thing for email, same thing for web or DNS or wherever in our portfolio, you know, our, our, our customer happens to sit because that's what we do. That's the intelligence that we collect. It feeds into that entire product portfolio where you kind of have to go, huh, that's interesting, but realize that, um, uh, what can you do with it is, is what I call being a student of the game. So what do I mean by that? So let's say that um, we're going to notice disinformation campaigns targeting uh, uh, Estonia, right? Okay. Uh, and so that might be specific phishing lures that we might see that might be related to that specifically. Um, that may be in English, maybe in Russian. We don't know. 
um, you know, the meta knowledge of that can help us think about detection, even though it's not necessarily something that we can directly address because we're not a disinformation combating organization. You know what I mean? That's, that's, right. that's, that's another, it's another ball of wax. It's not us. Yep. Um, but being aware of it can help guide detection decisions when we think about who is coming at who, how are they coming at them, and then what can be weaponized about that. So a good example would be um, on Talos blog, we had a, 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 an Asian group called Mustang Panda um, targeting um, NATO countries, and they were using, uh, I think, a European Council of Foreign Affairs, really nice phishing emails beautiful letterhead. And like, you look at this document and you'd be like, yeah, this seems legit. And of course it had an implant inside of it. Um, but they, you know, were utilizing the conflict in Ukraine to be able to uh, uh, embed these lures. And then the lures, and of course had the, the, the maliciousness inside of the, the, the document. So that was them harnessing this for momentum to launch their attacks. So like that is a meta thing. And I just call it being a student of the game, right? It's not just technical stuff per se. It's understanding little bit of geopolitics, understanding a little bit of, uh, to quote uh, the great philosopher and comedian Ron White, uh, not that the wind is blowing, it's what the wind is blowing, right? Right. So, and that will actually, in a, in a more meta sense, make you a much more complete professional. You know that cyber attacks continue to evolve. They're getting more complex, more pervasive, and frankly, more scary. And at the same time, your workers, offices, and data are being spread across the world. How do you make sure you don't get attacked? Protecting critical data is key and resilience starts by securing the core of your infrastructure. In a world where the network is significantly more complicated than ever, you need a firewall fit for today's challenges. The Cisco Secure Firewall simplifies and brings clarity to your network, allowing you to regain control. It protects apps and employees across many environments, including hybrid and multi-cloud. Cisco Secure Firewall was found to reduce the risk of breach by up to 80%. That's according to the latest Forrester Total Economic Impact Report. Cisco sees more than other firewall providers, even with encrypted traffic. That means you have increased visibility across all your systems. On top of reduced risk, threat intelligence updates are distributed hourly by Cisco Talos to enhance your protection. Recover from disasters stronger than before. To learn more about how the Cisco Secure Firewall can increase your security efficiency while reducing cost, call your SHI account executive or go to shi.com slash Cisco. So with 500 or, or 530 plus um, that, that you said in, that you have in, in your organization, you know, TALUS works with other organizations like law enforcement, the UN, Interpol to, to stop you know, criminal activity. Can you tell us more about how these partnerships work and, and how that data is shared? Well, I'll, I'll say what I can say. Right. Um, <laughs> how about that? So, <laughs> so, so, so uh, th this is the truth of any threat intelligence organization that, that in the world, and that is um, we all work together, even like Cisco's competitors, I call them competitimates. Right. Because if you think of things like the Cyber Threat Alliance, where we have all of these these companies, you know, your Cisco's, your IBM's, your Palo Alto's, because we collectively decided that everyone should be protected from serious threats, not just our customers, right? So if we find something that no one else has seen, we want to make sure that everyone is protected. Um, the same thing applies to, say, like law enforcement, you know, here in the United States or internationally. Um, and the, all their dirty secret is that nobody sees everything. There's no right. such thing. There's right. just no silver bullet for any of this. 
So if we see a major nation state campaign, uh, we, and we certainly have with, uh, say, Ukraine, if we see something bad happening, we notify the government. But as we've built inroads to talk to those folks and go, hey, you need to be aware of this. This is bad. Um, here's our data and our information. We'll share it with you direct. Um, and then we'll, we'll stand up a war room and we'll work with them. Uh, sometimes it's, hey, I found a weird thing. Have you seen this? And of course, everything is NDA and enshrined in nice legal, you know, bulletproof ironclad way of discussing these, these details. Um, and sometimes it's a back and forth and sometimes it goes nowhere. And sometimes it's, Hey, that was a great tip. Thanks. Um, it just, it really depends. It really, really depends. It's, it's very context sensitive, but I, I can tell you that it has paid untold dividends to ourselves and to our partners to have these relationships. Um, because you get brought into, or you bring them into things that you realize you just could not do without them. Right. Um, and, and also sometimes it's a, it's a mandate issue. Like, so if I'm up say in the United States and I'm a, a, I have an international thing and my remit is only in the continental United States. Well, I can't do anything about that, but I know a, a really great private security company, Cisco Talos, and they can do something about that. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it, it does kind of pan out in a, in a sort of roundabout way. I'm not trying to be vague, but, but it really, yeah, it's kind of how it is. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the United States too, because we've been we've been focused on Ukraine for the first part here. But closer to home, you know, how real is the threat of something like a, a wide scale power shutdown or infrastructure attack in, in the U.S.? I mean, I saw a report that said in 2022 there were something like 163 physical attacks on the U.S. power grid. And I was like, wait, I don't think I've heard about any of those, you know. And it was an increase of like 71 percent from the year before, you know. Like, if if people, you know, the the people, <laughs> the general public, I'm sure doesn't know that and you know what what's the what's the threat risk here oh that's a that's a that's a heck of a pivot all right um <laughs> whew, okay all right so so i i've been I, I you know i've worked in uh before i came over to talos i worked in the investor-owned utility space um and i've been doing this pretty good while now so i have seen some pretty wild stuff in my time either me personally or through colleagues who are in other places who are telling me, you know, over a beer, hey, you're not going to believe what I just saw. And I'm like, right. oh, wow, that's crazy. So, you know, the physical tax thing is a lot of it is something that's really been worrying a lot of folks, you know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I live in Baltimore and we had, I think, neo-Nazis getting ready to target the, some substations around here and they were going to go shoot them up. We had the North Carolina attacks last year, I believe. Right. We, had the, we had the Florida attacks where somebody just went out with guns and just started blowing up transformers and shooting them. Um, years prior to that, I want to say 2013, um, we had the Metcalf station attack in California, um, where folks were just lobbing bullets into transformers. Um, I, I can't tell you what the, what the trend is, why other than maybe copycat attacks, that's for, for folks who focus on that who are smarter right. than me, Right. but you know, there's certainly an accelerationist, you know, anarchist slash fascist movement going into it where they're like. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you can go find them, their manifestos online. It's unhinged, uh, not realizing that life sucks if you don't have power. So nice. like, I don't, I don't know like why they thought they could do that. Um, substations for the most part, they're not armored. They're, they probably have a fence you can crawl under, you know, these are, these are public service, uh, elements, you know, um, they're dangerous. No one should ever go inside of one. You, you can die quite easily. Right. Um, and, um, there's there's just 
it's just insane to think about like, like why would anyone want to go do this? But it happens. Unfortunately, sometimes it's, it's, and I'm from Alabama. Sometimes it's, it's, it's JT and Bubba and his buddies with a case of beer, a shotgun, and Hey, let's go shoot that substation. That's a Saturday night for you, right? That's a, that's a, that's a, I'm I'm from a small town, Alabama guys. That's a pretty good night. Um, you know, so, so, you know, and that, that's actually incredibly common, believe it or not. Like, you know, if you're in the middle of nowhere and you got nothing else to do, let's go shoot something that looks expensive. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean that, that actually very much does happen. Now I can't give you like the trend, like what it was like three years ago versus what it was last year. Right. Um, but definitely some extremely high profile physical attacks. I think you said something about grid stability too, in general. Was, was that part two to that, that question? Yeah. I I saw that, um, you know, you, you had joked in, in in an online article that we found about animals like squirrels and snakes cause more power outages in modern history than, than cyber attacks even. And I remember 2003, like a couple of tree branches in Ohio made the lights go out here in New York city. Mm -hmm. I'm really simplifying, but you know, do you think we should have, you know, more faith in the resiliency of our, our most critical infrastructure? You, you, I I love that you said that because not many people know how that even, (laughs) that hot mess even started i was Uh, here so i wanted to know (laughs) yeah that's a good why is it always ohio's fault right yeah uh those ohioans uh yeah you know what so uh, i'll give you an example of what gives me faith in the electric grid uh so grid is really not the right word Mm. singular but really we're talking about plural grids Mm. United States is is just ginormous, and it's got numerous, numerous. A, a friend of mine calls it a patchwork quilt of electric grids, and I'm like, mm, checks out. That's a good, it's a good analogy for it. Yeah, that's why a hurricane can come through Florida and Maryland. I don't lose power, right? It's not right. all interconnected, right? Um, because the 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 American U.S. American power grid is probably the largest, most complicated engineering man made project in the world. Wow. So uh, you know we we have you know, electricity infrastructure here that is the first of any kind that was built anywhere in the world for the most part. Right. Um, so we're, we're, you know, think about how old the power grid is and then think about how old cybersecurity is. Like it's not even close. Right. Right. So, um, it's a, so I'm going to put you in a situation. It's a hot day in Alabama mm-hmm. and it's the middle of the summer. It's 106 on the heat index, hundred percent humidity. And then everybody <laughs> loses power. Right. All right. You're going to have a bad time. All right. right. That's, I call that involuntary camping. You are going to be, <laughs> and I, I hope you, I hope, I hope you got a fan or something. Cause you're going to be, you're going to be sweating. Yep. Well, when, you know, the, why did the power go out? Well, probably because a squirrel touched something on a transformer bridged the A and the B and caused a thing. And the transformer popped it happens all the time. Uh, snakes do it a lot actually, because like they're going after birds nests and a bird mm-hmm. will make their nest in a light pole and they'll come over to go get the eggs and, Snakes, lo- snakes are long noodly things and they can touch multiple things at once. And then yep. boom, there you go. Um, and you know, when they replace the transformer or when they fix it and they allow everything to turn back on, the first thing that's going to happen is everyone's ACs are going to turn on full blast immediately. Right? So they have designed the electric grid to handle what we call uh, an on-ramp, a massive flux of draw coming in right so so you have really smart people who are building this power grid to do really really cool stuff and they think about things like this but nobody has invented a squirrel proof 
uh, electric grid yet. And if they f- they can make millions if they figure it out, I can tell you that much. I'm guessing you stay away from social media because if the if the lights so much flicker in my town, like my small town, like you know, Facebook page goes crazy with uh, you know the power was out for a split second and I had to you know restart my cable. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're staying away from that because I don't sense you're going to tolerate that too much. <laughs> you know what? It's 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 um. I think in my in my older years, I've just learned to let everyone just nope. You're 100 percent correct. That's right. It was, <laughs> it was the North Koreans. It was aliens. You're right. That's what caused the power grid to go out. I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, my energy is better spent elsewhere, man. Just agree with them and let it go. That's what you got to do. I, but I, I feel you. Like like, but think about how like how 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 you know what what I like to joke is I'm not in the cybersecurity business. I'm in the civilization business. Right. Right. Yeah. Because because you know lights have got to turn on we love air conditioning water needs to be drinkable elevators got to go up and got to go down we need gas for our vehicles and things like that so like when those things get taken away then it it you realize just what a marvel things like indoor plumbing and drinkable water really are so absolutely feeling overwhelmed by all the buzz think gen ai might be a game changer but don't know where to start SHI has you covered. We're rolling out a new series of executive briefings and workshops focused on generative AI. These aren't just any briefings. They're your roadmap to innovation designed by technology experts you can trust. These five new offerings dive deep, exploring what AI runs in, what it runs on, and what it's used for. From establishing your own Gen AI program from the ground up, to high-level overviews of Gen AI in cybersecurity and the Microsoft ecosystem, there's a briefing custom-built for your needs. So what's your next move? Contact your SHI account executive today or head to shi.com to request your briefing. Your journey into generative AI begins now. You're reminding me of the, I always make movie references, but Stephen King's The Stand, that miniseries, when the power went out, they had a, a, I think it was called the shutdown committee or something like that, where they had people go around the house and just turn things off for when everything came back on again. It was like, I would have even thought of that. No. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> um, so Talos is collecting massive amounts of raw data from places like the dark web, you know, um, product performance data, other research. Can you tell us more about how Talos collects this data and how it's turned into actionable intelligence? Ooh, that's a tough question because we collect a lot of it. We ingest about ballparkish every day, about six petabytes of threat telemetry. Wow. Um, And that, that is going to be, you know, malware samples. It's going to be URLs. It's going to be spam emails. It's going to be any kind of anything that we collect homegrown from our customer base um, that is reported back to us. And so that we can turn around, analyze, and then make sure, you know, detect once, protect everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is just a, it, it, uh, it's so much data that as a threat researcher, it's really great, but it's also daunting because let's say I like this morning, for example, is a great example. I got given an IP address from one of our partners and they're like, Hey, what are you seeing with this? And I'm like, if I start uh, pulling that thread, I could be here all day because that IP could lead to other things, which could lead to other things, which can lead to other things. And then five hours of my life is gone. Well spent, mind you, usually. But I mean, that's just what happens. Such is the dearth of data and the pivots that I can make with our internal data. Um, 
And uh, also shout out to my colleague who actually did that heavy lift for me this morning because I was so busy. Uh, but but that's a good example of like like what we would be able to do with just one indicator. And I call it thread pulling. Um, you know, um, no one should ever join cybersecurity to be in the closure business because sometimes you're going to get questions you just you're not going to find an answer to. Uh, but like when I'm pulling a thread, like a specific suspect IP address, sometimes that goes nowhere. But I find another thread to pull and I'll pull on that one. And before you know it, I've uncovered something new or neat, novel or just interesting um, that I can file away. Uh, and sometimes it's eh, it's a whammy. You know, it, it turns out to be a nothing burger. That happens. That's the gig. Um, but when you're working at that breadth, depth, and scope of just volume of data, um, that's a good example of that. A lot of it also is like we call, I call it the, your artisanal homegrown threat intelligence, right? This is dark web research. This is personas that are on the internet. You know, these are, you know, forms or, or cartels that have been infiltrated. This is, um, you know, relationships that exist. Gosh, only knows I'm not privy to that data or information for good reasons. Um, but you know, we have to stay abreast of what the bad guys are doing. And that means, uh, going onto the dark web or other places and just, and just being like, who is like, for instance, um, uh, brokered access. Um, uh, you know, I've got a, a hospital in Thailand and for $30,000 us, I'll give you the full domain and, uh, administrator credentials to it. And you can go attack them with ransomware and make even make your money back and then some. Um, we see that, we see that all the time, um, uh, where it's either an eBay esque style auction, or it's just give me, oh, yeah. give me 3,500 bucks and I'll give you, you know, the VPN tunnel that I used and the creds for a pediatric oncology center in Florida, which I actually have seen. Um, I saw the names, dates of births and social security numbers of kids just flying across my screen. Oh man. Uh, yeah. And like these, these, these ransomware actors are, are as mercenary as it gets. They do not care. So, yeah. Um, I, I like what you said about, you, you, you really touched on it very quickly about, um, you know, you said some, a, a characteristic about joining cybersecurity and there's a lot of tech savvy people out there and even more coming out of, out of schools every, every, uh, every year, you're on a team of over 500 people. There's linguists, there's engineers, and just about everybody in between. I, I'm guessing, you know, pretty quickly who might be a good fit for your team and who are not like what characteristics, if somebody's considering this, this, um, kind of, kind of career in cybersecurity, or if people are hiring teams and, and building them out, what characteristics are you looking for when you hire, or, or what, what do you say? Like, if you see something in somebody, or somebody says something in an interview, and you're like, "Not him, definitely her, not him." We'll have to have a second interview on that one. Do you have Do you have any uh, any of those uh, kind of warning signs or 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 green flags? Yeah, no, that is. I love these questions because. Uh, much like the Supreme Court and obscenity, you know it when you see it, right? Right. Uh, right. But but there there are I think are, there are a few things that I think of that have really um, stood out to me over the years, and that's both as a manager, a former manager who used to hire really really smart hackers, right? And now as somebody who uh, gets to work with brilliant hackers every day, um, I, I can tell you first and foremost what we don't care about. We we don't care. You know, uh, you know, or, or, or walk that back here. Here are the two most important qualities in general. And they are have a good attitude, be easy to work with. Nice. And that's just probably any career, to be honest right. with you. Right. So but what we look for here is the forever student hacker mentality. 
which is you're going to be confronted with difficult technical problems and you are not going to know the answers. And what we look for is a lot of self-reliance. Not that we expect you to be a genius and come, you know, nobody comes out of the womb a hacker. Right. We're not looking for people who know it all. We're looking for people who are just bad at giving up. Right. So they go to them. They say, you know what, there's an answer to this and I'm not going to stop until I find an answer or until I go insane, whichever happens first. <laughs> and, and that might be, uh, you know, unpacking a new piece of malware that they've never seen before. That's doing something unique and new and novel, but like, you're going to have to step your game up to be able to do that. And then I think something that that's going to help, like if, if you're entry level and you're like, ah, I don't know, um, like having a strong technical foundation. So for instance, I was going to talk to you about something like DNS security, right. Or cash poisoning or something around that. Right. But you don't know how DNS works. Well then cybersecurity is going to be tough for you. But if, if you can't fundamentally understand how the basics of say something like that works. So there's a, there is a foundational fundamental technical thing um, that we think is really important. But I also want to caveat with this. Like if, if you were to take, cybersecurity, if you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm not a super techie. I don't know if cybersecurity is for me. Right. It, it absolutely can be. Uh, and then the reason I say that is if you we were to take just the breadth and scope of the cybersecurity profession, there's so much. And a lot of it is not like the super pen test red team hacker stuff. A lot of it is policy risk compliance. A lot of it is regulatory stands. A lot of it is uh, if you're a linguist, right, um, you know, you're a trained intelligence analyst, you're not a super hacker per se, but you understand all the great basics of cybersecurity, but you're really great at infiltrating dark web. You don't have to be a technical genius for that. You have to have other skills, social engineering, big one. Um, you know, uh, if you're going to do reverse engineering or, or uh, for, you know, breaking software and finding vulnerabilities, yeah, that's a high technical bar to pass. But that's just like one example out of like 80 right. that exist. And sometimes you find amalgamations of all of those, um, you know, and it's really unique to the organization. I can tell you at Cisco Talos, we have everything under the sun. I've got, we've got data scientists who are great threat researchers, but can take data. That six petabytes I mentioned, mm -hmm. I can look at it with my eyes and have them not pop out of my head because <laughs> I'm looking at six petabytes of data, right? Right. It has to be displayed in a, in a cogent way that, you know, a threat researcher like me can go hunt and, and look through, right? Yeah. You know, we've got, of course, we've got our linguists. We've got um, a really strong operations team uh, because we have such huge IT demands for what we do inside of this organization. Um, you know, we've got, uh, gosh, we've, we've got uh, uh, um, strategic communications and marketing, which sounds so weird, but I, I mean, like a lot of like, that's my team. A lot of what I do when I'm not threat hunting is I get to sit on, on podcasts like these and, and talk to cool people and, and chew the fat, which is what I love to do. Right. Right. Um, so like, if you think that there is something out there for you for cybersecurity, the answer is, or probably is um, just doing your homework and networking and meeting people and going to conferences and things like that are really going to help you build a picture of, of, of what you want to do. And the last thing, cause I talked to a lot of college kids about this stuff and they go, okay. man, ah, they're like, I don't know what to do, man. There's so much out there and I'm in school for cybersecurity. And I, and I say, look, you know, experiment, try stuff out, but know what your strengths are and just lean into them and good things will happen because you're going to enjoy the things you're good at. And in cybersecurity, that might be me. I get to be a super nerd and be a threat researcher, but I get to talk to people. I'm living right. my dream. Right. And having that good attitude and being easy to work with and being hungry technically and good things will happen. Good things will happen. It's, it's not the easiest answer. It's a very nonlinear answer, you know? 
Oh yeah, no, but th- those are all fantastic characteristics, and I think you know I'll, I'll add one that because you described it, but you didn't say it. It's just a curiosity. Like you, you'd better be curious about things because if you're, you just always better be like asking why or, or looking for something. It's 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 the job, right? I mean, you get curious as to human behavior, and and it's just it's 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 amazing. I I always say to we we have a hire a lot of college. Uh, college college kids and i hate i shouldn't say the word kids they are they are absolutely adults coming out of school and they're ready to contribute but the ones that are curious just seem to be the ones that really like ramp up quickly you know yeah yeah absolutely good well said with with all the knowledge and data you have floating around in your head about everything that's out there like it's got to get stressful like how do you how do you how do you you know when when you do turn the, the computer off how do you learn to walk away from that knowing what's quote unquote out there I am not a great person to ask that question to because I, sometimes I struggle with it. Um, it is, it is, you know, somebody made a really good point. Uh, a, a guy I follow online, he's in the military. He does these really, really funny videos. And he said something one day that resonated with me, like in one of his like TikTok videos, which is don't be the uniform. Like hmm. th- don't let your career be your identity. Uh, and I was like, well, that's, that's pretty smart. Um, and it's tough not talking about my career as my identity because I love what I do. Right. Um, and another thing that really messes with you is that like things are always going to be on fire in this business. Like I assure you, as I'm talking to you, some major cyber attack is happening somewhere. Right. Right. And it's tough to turn off. It's a struggle because you are, you're you're you create personal networking and wired in things that let you um that let you zone in on specific things and if you get an alert at two in the morning and you're like oh wow that's wild i want to stay up and research that right well then a, a switch has been flipped and you're not gonna you'll be up all six in the morning trying to find out more details it's absolutely happened to me yeah. um so it is tough to find a way to turn off and maybe I'm a little older, a little wiser. Uh, you know, one of the things that I figured out is to just step away from my computer, period. Right. Like, put my phone down, put it on Do Not Disturb, go take a walk, don't touch anything electronic. Um, and you have to for peace of mind, because especially with the Ukraine stuff, you know, like when I see pictures of bombed out buildings, I've driven by that building. I've walked by that building. Right. right. And I'm thinking to myself, did somebody I know just get hurt or killed? Yeah. Right. And, you know, you, you start to think about it in a lot of ways. If you let this stuff get to you, your cup is very full. And when something pours in, something has to pour out. And that could affect your personal relationships. That can affect your career. It can affect a lot of things that has happened to me personally. And sometimes you don't realize it until you've unfortunately stepped on that landmine you're like oh yep. wow i really need to take a break from this and, and you have one of those jobs too where people are just inherently interested and you know you've got to have some times where you're like hey can we just talk about the orioles tonight or or, or some, <laughs> some you know, especially because they're having a great year oh know? they're having a they're having a, they're having a <laughs> just an amazing season right now go o's yeah the 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 yeah it, it is it is really tough i i think fortunately and this is something that my leadership is pretty good about but if you're another, if you're a fellow cybersecurity professional, um, you know, and you're a manager, just be mindful of your people's mental health and their state of being. Um, a lot of stuff that we do is like really depressing, sobering stuff. I, I'm not in the good news business. Right. I'm what bad people are doing to good people business. Right. 
And that means seeing a, a 5013C that helps LGBTQ youth in Alabama uh, get ransomware and then have all their private data disclosed because oh, they didn't pay a man. ransom. Or I'm seeing, you know, a pediatric oncology center in Florida where the electronic health records of like 180 kids are now downloadable to anybody that wants to be on there. Right. Like, like all of the stuff is, is awful. Like, like we've had deaths caused from ransomware attacks in hospitals in the United States. And it is a, it's a thing that changes you. And you just, you just got to recognize the signs of, man, I got to, I got to look after myself. And it's yep. not an easy thing to do because you're right. This is what I'm wired to do. This is what my colleagues are wired to do. This is why we do what we do. We also, we want to make a difference, a good difference for others. And, um, it's a balance. I wish yeah. I had an easier answer other than it, it, it is a struggle and you just need to have a good support structure to be able to deal with it. The, the fact that the answer isn't easy is why I just say thank you to, to you and, and your group for everything that you're doing. And it's, it's, you know, just hats off to you. It's, it's, it's really commendable. Um, you know, normally this is the part where I ask our guests if they have a call to action or a website or a podcast they want to plug, but I just kind of get the feeling if you're a bad actor out there, you know, Joe and his team are going to find you, but <laughs> Joe, if there's any, any place you want us to point, uh, point our listeners for any, any other information about what you guys do, I'm happy to give you the space here. Oh, Hey, thanks. Yeah. Um, so we have, um, you know, our, 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 our websites, talusintelligence.com, um, we have our own very, very cheeky podcast called Beers with uh, Talos, run by, you know, three to five comedians. Uh, they're larger than life personalities who love talking about cybersecurity. Go listen to their latest one on the Barbie movie. It is fantastic. <laughs> um, they are they are also some of the smartest cybersecurity professionals I've ever met in my career. And everything they say is straight wisdom. And I love listening to them. Um uh, if you go to our blog on talisintelligence.com, you'll see a lot of blog posts. Yep. The thing that I want to convey here is there's no paywall. There's no marketing gimmicks. There's nothing. We publish a lot of really good, what I call uh, uh, nutritious, high-calorie content for both technical and non-technical folks. Uh, what are threat actors doing? What are their IOCs? What do we think this is doing from the meta or the, the macro or micro perspective? All of this stuff we give away. We want people to be protected. It is our social mission for you to do this. Um, you know, I can tell you, I sit behind the scenes. The amount of money we spend on those those blog posts is ridiculous. But, like, we would do it no other way uh, because we want folks to be protected. So go check our blog out. Go if you want to laugh and want to hear some really thoughtful commentary in cybersecurity. Go listen to Beers with Talos. Um, and um, uh, there's other cool tools. Um you know, snort.org where our open source snort engine is, uh, you can go download and play with that. There's all kinds of neat stuff there. Um, it's just, it's worth your time. I promise. I, I, I know it is because I just really enjoyed our conversation today. Unfortunately, we're out of time for this week. We've been talking with Joe Marshall, senior security strategist at Cisco Talus intelligence group. Joe, just thanks so much for your time. Thanks for sharing your knowledge about cybersecurity. Thank, thanks for making me feel better to know that there are people like you out there looking out for us. Um, and I, and I just, I really appreciate that. Um, thank you to our listeners for joining us. Make sure to follow and subscribe to innovation heroes, wherever you get your podcasts, quick reminder, new video episodes are on YouTube in case you're watching on YouTube right now, then just keep watching right till the end. We'll be back with another inspiring hero in two weeks. Until then, I'm your host, Ed McNamara and Joe. Thanks again. Thank you for having me.
This episode was brought to you by Cisco. Recover from disaster stronger than before with the Cisco Secure Firewall. To learn more, call your SHI account executive or go to shi.com slash Cisco. This episode is also brought to you by SHI's all-new Generative AI Briefings. Uncover your roadmap to innovation with a series of briefings and workshops designed by our technology experts. Contact your account executive or visit shi.com to learn more about our all-new executive briefings for Generative AI.